Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to Soul Nectar. I'm your guide, Nadine Hamilton, bringing you real, raw, illuminating conversations surrounding all things sex, spirit, intimacy, relating, inner power, and the full spectrum, ever-evolving human experience. This is a space where we openly explore the intersection of that which is deemed sacred and profane. These episodes serve as permission to more deeply know yourself, liberate your true expression, dance in the mystery, and infuse much more pleasure, embodiment, consciousness, and magic into your life. Let's dive in. I'm so thankful to have you tuning into this episode. Thank you for being here. And it really is such a treat and a gift when I get to record episodes in person, in the flesh, face to face with my guests and my friends. And that's exactly what I got to do for this episode. I sat down in Costa Rica with one of my friends, Kirby Gordon, who is just so brilliant, so wise, so embodied, so fiercely loving and just fun and hilarious. And I love her so much. She is a yoga teacher, a mentor, and a digital marketing specialist. And in this episode, we talked a lot about God. We talked about our individual experiences of God. We talked about the call to being a teacher We talked about yoga and not only yoga asana, but yogic philosophy and incorporating the philosophy, the principles, the practices of yoga throughout your entire life. So you're living it and you're breathing it. We talked about self-integrity and trusting and honoring yourself, the ever-evolving faces of devotion and how to live a life of devotion that is not founded in rigidity or shaming, but is founded in truth and the honoring of the ever-changing cycles and seasons of life, whether that looks like having a daily practice every single day or allowing that daily practice to shift and change and evolve and allowing that to be okay as well. And we talked about so much more, including some potentially embarrassing stories (laughs) about stealing from Walmart in our younger days, which is something that I did not know both of us had in common. And I want to clarify the usage of the term God. So I will speak for myself. I'm pretty sure Kirby feels the same, but I don't want to put words in her mouth. When I am using the term God, I am not at all referring to religion or dogma or the church. And it's taken a lot of time and a lot of healing for me to reclaim that word and rewrite the narrative that I had around that word. I remember pretty vividly, and I mentioned this in the episode, being this little, little girl under the covers at night, like praying to a God that I wasn't even sure existed and just hoping and praying that there was this greater force, this greater consciousness, this greater love that existed, but I was not raised spiritually whatsoever. So again, there was a lot of doubt within me. And I also have these vivid memories of just being so terrified of religion and God and the church to the point where I remember being little and being at this pool party. It was a birthday party. And one of my friends, her aunt picked her up from the birthday party and she was a nun. And I remember seeing this nun and just like running away, crying, so scared. 
And then another random, very vivid memory of me as a little girl was being in this jewelry store. And I remember like really wanting to see this pair of earrings, but they were right behind another pair of earrings that were these dangling crosses. And I specifically did not reach to even see the pair of earrings that I wanted to look at because I was so afraid that God forbid my hand would graze on the crosses. I also would have these nightmares of Bibles and nuns and crosses and the church and This is a whole other conversation maybe to do with past life stuff or just religious trauma in general, but it's so common for people to associate the word God or even spirituality in general with rules, dogma, rigidity, shame, guilt, fear-based living and fear-based teachings, and that's not something at all that I resonate with. To me, God is... The greater love and consciousness and intelligence and energy and life force that is interwoven into all of existence. It is pure love and pure consciousness. It's what animates the world that we live in. And that is the God that I refer to. So if that word doesn't resonate with you, you, as always, are more than welcome to make it your own. And you can switch it for source love, spirit, universe, whatever resonates. And you know what? I'm also going to mention this. (laughs) As I was editing the episode, I heard myself say during the conversation, I was a theft instead of I was a thief and my perfectionistic ass just had to say something, okay? So now we all know that I made a mistake and I know that the word was not theft, it was thief. Okay, moving on now that I made that clear. I also want to mention that if you haven't done so already, it would mean so, 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 so much, like more than you could ever imagine if you took just a couple sweet, precious moments to go to the section of this podcast where you can leave a rating and a review. And if you've been getting something out of these episodes, if you feel any amount of gratitude or appreciation whatsoever, I would feel so thankful if you left an honest review and a rating. It really helps more people to find and access these episodes and this wisdom, and it helps the show to stay up and running. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much in advance for taking a moment to do that. And a very juicy and life-changing opportunity that I want to mention is that the doors to Layla Martin's Vita Coaching Sex, Love, and Relationship Certification for 2024 are officially open. I am mentioning this because this is one of the certifications that I have done, and it has by far been the most thorough, the most intensive, the most rigorous and challenging and transformative and life-changing and just fucking epic certifications and programs and general life experiences that I have ever navigated. And through this certification, you will step into your power and your leadership and have your own experience of sexual healing, sexual liberation, and also liberation and healing within the realms of love, relationships, and even spiritual development. You learn how to create, market, and sell high-end coaching packages, build a personal brand that feels authentically like yourself, and be able to bring impactful, meaningful, highly profound work into the world in a way that really lights you up. 
I am so passionate about this program. It truly changed everything for me and has been one of the most influential factors in the way that I work with clients and also just show up in my own love life and personal life. So if you're interested in checking out information about this incredible certification, I'm going to leave a special affiliate link in the show notes so that you can get all of the details and apply. Additionally, I'm going to leave links for lots of offerings and also resources, including my free seven-day living sensuality course. If you are feeling the call to feel a sense of connection, sensuality, aliveness, and embodiment in your life, it's a really beautiful journey. That's only 10 minutes a day of guided, laser-focused practices. And I have one-on-one coaching spaces available. So if you've been feeling the call to dive way deeper than talk therapy and to go beyond the surface level, you want somatic-based healing and coaching and mentorship where you can dive into the realms of sexuality, eroticism, embodiment, love, relating, and your true desires and what may be holding you back from actualizing those desires. If all of that resonates with you, I would be honored to guide you on that path. It's my biggest joy and passion in the whole world. So check out the link if you're interested and you would like to apply. I have single sessions as well as longer term packages available. These experiences are quite psychedelic and you tune into the wisdom of your body, your pussy, and your subconscious world. All right, my friends, I'm sending you so much love and I can't wait to hear how it goes with this episode. Without further ado, here is Soul Nectar Podcast. I'm so excited and so blessed to be sitting in person next to one of my good friends, Kirby Gordon, who is a yoga teacher, a mentor, and also a digital marketing specialist who I love and adore so much. Kirby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nadine, for having me. I'm so honored. So, so, so honored. You're such an amazing space holder. So I can't wait to feel the magic that unfolds just naturally through our conversation. Mm -hmm. It's so mutual. So we were having a lot of juicy conversations before even starting to record this episode. And I feel like there's so much that we're going to dive into. But first... I would love to hear a bit about, we were talking about this, the word that's coming to mind is becoming, owning your power, owning your wisdom, owning exactly where you are and the value that you're here to share with the world. Mm -hmm. And obviously both of us and everyone, we are lifelong students and explorers of life and consciousness and all these modalities that we're diving into. But I can feel from you and hear from you that you're really claiming teacher and claiming this role for yourself. So can you tell us a bit about your journey with yoga and also this sense of becoming and owning your teacherhood? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's going to be a long one. I'll immediately, my mind went to when I was young and I really wanted to be religious. My family was not religious. My parents didn't claim any religion, although my dad was Jewish. My mom was Catholic. It wasn't 
we weren't raised primarily in either or. It was more so like free will, free choice, you believe what you believe. And I always deeply wanted to have a God. There was, even when I was a kid, it was looking back, it's so crazy to me because I had no idea what that feeling was. I just knew something in my my soul, it was being called to God. And it felt like my whole life I was seeking it. And even a friend, best friend that I grew up with, her family was very Christian. And I would always want to sleep over at her house because I knew that on Sundays we would go to church and we would sing and we would pray. And there was a feeling that I had in those moments that I was, I was that. (laughs) I was that feeling. And even as a child to know that that was what was guiding me in my life is pretty overwhelming to look back at because I never really understood the grandness of that feeling. And I'm so grateful that I found something that allows for that connection of God to resonate in my body and not only resonate in me, but pour out of me and that I get to teach and share the feeling of God, whatever that feels like for me, (laughs) back out in a way that I, when I was, I mean, I even, I just remember how it felt for me as a kid and still to this day. So to be able to do that now for others through the yogic path, it makes sense now, but of course the journey to get there took some time and some fumbling. Um, I didn't ever claim a, a religion. I always really wanted to claim my my identity in Judaism. I even went on birthright because I really wanted Me to. Too. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were Jewish. <laughs> Me oh my gosh. I, I mean, know. I don't really cl- like. I don't claim it per se, but I do feel that it is a definite part of me and who I am and how I was raised and shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted that. I wanted something. I wanted somewhere to pour my devotion mm-hmm. into. And I thought maybe Judaism was it. And then my grandpa, who was my paternal side, who was Jewish, he passed. And I was so upset because when I got older, because I couldn't ask him questions. I couldn't understand. I wanted to understand. I wanted to know everything. And I always felt just like the odd man out of my family because none of my family is is very religious by any means. Um, we celebrate, you know, the more Western holiday, da-da-da, and Christmas is a big deal in my family. But um, there's just been that feeling, that urge, that call, and And when I went to college and you really step into your womanhood, your manhood, your whatever identityhood, I was finding myself, which was so scary because we're just thrown into the, we're just thrown into it, like figure it out. But there was always that, that feeling and that felt sense that I was being pulled to God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I went to a yoga class in San Francisco, uh, Yoga to the People. It was a donation-based class. um, And I was obviously very broke in college. Went to a class and I felt, I felt God. I felt that feeling of, of true connection. And I knew there was no going back, that that was 
now all all my life, my path, I knew in that moment and I never stopped. That was, I don't even know, 2011 or 12. So over 10 years ago. And I, in that moment, deeply devoted myself to yoga. Sometimes I would go two to three classes a day. And I had my teachers that I was very much like a dedicated student. And so I'd already started to ingrain the yogic principles into my life and the philosophies and the foundations without really knowing it. And one of those being um, tapas, which are like the regiment of the practice. And that is such a big part of any any practice, any pathway is is truly the discipline to continue to show up. Mm-hmm. And even when I... Even when I went to study abroad, to travel, I would stay in my practice. And I only did that because of the teachers that led me through that door, that opened me and awakened me to the beauty of yoga. Mm -hmm. And so as my path continued and I was certified, that's a whole nother story, but too long. Um, All I knew was if I can be that doorway for someone to connect to universe, God, whatever you want to name it, um, that that was enough for me in my entire life. Like I was, I was very content with that. And what we were speaking on before, how I've become the teacher that I am. And I feel confident in saying that I am a teacher. I don't, I feel I am always a student, but I, I deeply love teaching and leading and mentoring. Um, because I know when I was younger, I would have loved to have someone push me to seeking mentorship, seeking, of course I had my teachers and I really wanted them. I wanted to be around them all the time because we want to be guided. We are inspired. We feel, we co-regulate. I didn't know that, but I was literally wanting to be around them because they were making me better just by being in their space. And yeah, just becoming now this, this teacher that I am I feel so deeply blessed and humbled. I also feel just a complete vessel and that it's like, I posted this the other day because I read it, but if you hear something enough times about yourself, you have to believe it. And there was a, you know, just the moments maybe a year ago that continually having students approach me after class they had never experienced anything like it out of body in light would use the word enlightened felt god felt felt and yeah it's it's hard to even talk about or put into words because i'm like me i did that what that's crazy but i was led here there's no other really way to say it i was me but it wasn't me and I'm just I it feels I'm exactly where I meant to be I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing and why would I shy away from that Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) damn girl (laughs) 
Wow. I resonate with so many parts of your story that I didn't know about. Like I went on birthright too. Jewish mom grew up um, grasping for something. I remember being a little girl, like at night in the darkness under my bed sheets, like praying. And I didn't even fully believe in God or know there was a God, but I was like, please, if you exist, just show me a sign, show me something like this sense of like grasping for something. And I feel like in modern Western society, a huge thing that we're lacking is rites of passage, initiation, and also the role and figure of a teacher, not just like a teacher in the school system, Mm -hmm. although that can be a beautiful connection for people as well, but like a true life teacher and spiritual teacher who's reflecting back to you and who has paved the way and is able to shine the light Mm -hmm. so you can pave your own way. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot, even on my own journey, like when I first had my awakening, (laughs) which was a whole big story, but I remember feeling like I felt all of these feelings of oneness and connection and bliss and hope and all of these things. And then I was like, now what? What do I do with all of this? So just having the presence of a teacher who's also on that path and who has, again, paved the way is so invaluable. And so many different indigenous communities and ancient communities like that was such a prominent role in Mm -hmm. villages and societies. So you mentioned... This is such a big question, but you mentioned like in that first yoga class, you felt God. And that's such a different experience for everyone. But in your experience, what does that feel like? What does that mean for you to feel God, feel the divine in your own human body? This is something I've been thinking about honestly a lot because I even had a student of mine messaged me yesterday and she said that I already knew this, but she just finished her teacher training. And, um, she said, all I want to do is create a space in a class that leaves people feeling like the way that you make me feel at the end of class. I mean, just what, but then I, you know, ego aside, cool, thank you so much, deeply humbled, bow, wow. But what is that? What is that? Because we can all access it. So how do, you know, she wants to have, she wants to work with me. Okay, can you mentor me? Yeah, so then I'm like, okay, Kirby, let's see, you're a teacher, you're a mentor. How would you actually explain to someone how to feel God, how to reach the levels of pure consciousness what does that feel like Mm -hmm. and why I love yoga and why when you start to really learn about it it truly is a lifestyle and there's a main component of yoga that we as human beings are split into three bodies so you're not just a physical human which Mm -hmm. is your you know your one of the bodies your physical gross dense human form that is very much real and very much here somatically, like we must first be present with our body. And if we ever want to even remotely touch God, we have to first be here on the earth. And then you move into the subtle body. You move into the emotional. You move into the intellectual even. You move into the wisdom. 
And you feel it when you're moving through an asana practice or even in a meditation. And maybe you've just never been able to put words into it before, but if you are in the right setting, if you are with the right teacher, you will feel that shift from gross, dense physical form to a much more subtle, timeless space where you're not even in thought. You are out of time and space, but there is moments of bliss and moments of wisdom, moments of insight, and that does take some training and some understanding and awareness to understand what is the difference of my mind chatter versus what is the difference of true wisdom within me. But then even beyond that, you may feel, which is what you're asking is what does God feel like? It's beyond all of that. So it's even better than the timeless, spaceless wisdom. Ooh, I feel tingly and so happy. It's beyond that. It's totally, completely connected. It is light and love and it's, it's beyond our human comprehension. But you notice, you notice, and it's harder in a full asana class to me to feel um, the sense of God if you're not given space for silence and stillness. So if you practice yoga, asana, if you practice vinyasa often or power yoga, I also encourage you to find a teacher or find a space that gives you the opportunity to move into stillness because truly in those spaces are where God is felt the most because you have done the movement through the bodies. They are the layers of the being, the peeling back to the soul. And we can't do that if we're rushing around. Very rarely do we do that if we're rushing around, if we're moving through a fiery fast, fast, fast. We're prepping the body in yoga to reach God essentially. So um, maybe that would help anyone listening uh, if you're seeking that feeling that move the body, be with the breath, notice the shifts and the changes, but then give yourself an extra five, 10. Shavasana should be even longer. I mean, that's the full surrender but give yourself st silence and stillness and see what you feel and get back to me. Let me know if you felt God. <laughs> I love that. So well said. Oh my God, that brought up so much for me. And people have asked me a few times, like how, how can we tell the difference between thoughts or fears, anxiety, and a deep intuitive knowing or sense of wisdom? And it's gonna be so different for everyone. But for me, it's an intuitive knowing, a download, if you will, like a deep wisdom. It has nothing to prove. There's no like urgency. It's not like it just is. It's just now presence isness. Whereas when we're so stuck in our thoughts and our minds and our limitations and our belief systems and identity, it's there's like a sense of urgency and anxiousness and, oh, if this doesn't happen, then this doesn't happen. For me, like the deepest moments of experiencing like a somatic sense of God, as you mentioned, it comes 
comes in a lot of forms, but very strongly in the pauses and the stillness. It absolutely happens when I'm like dancing and in this ecstatic, cathartic release. But whoa, when you can really be in stillness and drop out of your thoughts, drop out of your grasping, drop out of, oh God, I didn't send that email or what do I have to do after this meditation? And you just be with the truth of reality. That's when I feel God very strongly. And it can be easier said than done, especially when we're so, mm, we're so conditioned from a young age to obsess over and operate from intellect and rationalizing and analyzing and planning and figuring things out. And we like over associate that with a sense of safety. Whereas when we're not thinking and controlling and plotting and planning, we feel unsafe. But it's when you let that go and you be with what is that you feel this true sense of safety and this like God safety net, if you will, and this sense of, whoa, no matter what I do, no matter who I become, no matter what I lose or gain, this presence, this beingness, this consciousness, this connection is here no matter what. If I lose everything, it's still here. Yeah. I could ask another question, but does that bring anything up for you? Yeah, a little bit. I'll, I mean, this is, I'm talking about yoga a lot, but that's how my brain works. <laughs> when you really start to gain the knowledge and the insight into a pathway that you deeply love, if that's yoga or something else, um, for me, for yoga, there is a breakdown of the human brain mm. and the way that we operate. Again, like it's all so systematically placed so we can understand why we are the way that we are so we can get out of our own way and we can be with God. So we're not just this human being having this experience. And so the mind has these different quadrants almost or sections in yoga, in yogic philosophy. One of those, of course, being the ego, ahankara. So the ego sense of self, the identity. Not to say that ego is bad. To me, none of the parts of the mind are bad. Nothing is, no, like they just are. Mm -hmm. And it's not to shame or belittle or fear the ego. A lot of people want to strip themselves of their ego. And ego is a, it's a part of the mind. It's a part of the way that we operate. But notice it, that's, mm -hmm where the yoga is, it's noticing and understanding the different parts of the mind. And I think that's where we can actually free ourselves and understand what the difference of intuition or wisdom is from the thoughts of that are very ego driven mm -hmm. or the fear, or yes, even so part of the mind in yogic philosophy is also the intellect, the buddhi. And you know, and you, you feel when you understand and even like, oh, I didn't know that was the way that yoga worked, the yogic path worked, that there's different parts of the mind. You can start to even just notice when you have a thought, was that an ego thought? Was that an intellectual thought? Was that just chitta? Was that just mind chatter? Was that just blah, blah, blah in my head making stories up, which is another part of the mind and a very big part of the mind. <laughs> and all of these work together and beyond outside of that, to me, is where you can really start to hone in and feel like, hmm, that was an intellect. 
that was not ego. That was not just chitter chatter. So what was that? Right? That's, mm. yeah. Yeah. I love this so much. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and something I really love about the classes of yours that I've attended is how elegantly and skillfully you like interweave into the class metaphors and analogies and philosophy and really relating to, of course, everything that you do on the mat as the rest of your life and what goes off the mat. Could you tell us, I don't even know where to begin with this question, but okay, let's start here. How do you, besides everything, how do you weave yogic philosophy into how you live your life? Like, what does that mean for you? And maybe some examples if someone's brand new to this mm. or someone who like just thinks of yoga as an asana practice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about yoga and yogic philosophy and the way that it was passed down, it's so systematic that it makes it more simplified. So yes, it's a philosophy in a sense where you can define it in a bunch of ways, and it's your own relationship to yoga, it's your own relationship to God, but there is a process mm -hmm. to liberation. And the steps of yoga, really, it's an eight-limbed path or the eightfold path. You can really utilize them in your life, which is what's so beautiful about living yoga is mm -hmm. that it's not just on your mat. That's such a small portion of actually what this, it's barely a tiny little tip of what <laughs> this practice is. And for me, we have the yamas and the niyamas, which are the morals and the ethics, kind of like the moral compass of how you show up as a person and almost the I don't want to say the belief system that you should carry, but maybe your philosophy that you should try, which is, you know, trusting in, in God, trusting what's outside of you, which mm -hmm. is devoting yourself. So maybe that resonates for you, maybe it doesn't. But beyond that, there are, in the yamas, let's say, for example, um, satya, which is truth, which is a huge one, um, it gives you it gives you markers of if i want to be free if i want to feel purely unified with all beings all things almost like if i don't follow these rules if i don't follow these ethics i can't feel that i won't feel that because how could i if i'm lying to everyone mm. How could I if I'm lying to myself? And that's just an example. Satya is truth. So it's, it's one of the yamas. So it's one of these pillars that you follow. Mm -hmm. And the more that you devote yourself to the, the philosophy of yoga and living it as a lifestyle, it, you know, example of, of living satya is living yoga, is living truth. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's gotten to a point on my journey and as a teacher where lying is a no. It's an absolute just no. I feel 
gross almost. I feel like clenching in my chest. I feel in my body icky when I lie. If I even think about lying, when I hear someone else has lied, it makes me feel so upset, Mm -hmm. which also isn't fair. It's your life, live. But truth to me is such a fount. How can we live if we can't trust? And I I want you to trust me and I want to trust you. But if I don't trust you because you're lying, there is no foundation of a relationship. And Mm -hmm. human life, we need relationships. So that's just one example. Like I, I am very aware of the, I'm aware of the limbs. And to me, I reflect on them almost constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I mean, a hymza nonviolence, like I even struggle to kill an ant or an insect. You know, I use my discernment. The other day there was a scorpion that was huge and usually I capture them and put them outside. But no, the other night it was a no, it was an I need to kill you. I'm, I'm afraid that you will hurt me, hurt, you know, my cat. So I, yeah, I, I did what I could in a loving, in a loving way. My truth in that moment was scorpion must die. <laughs> you gotta go. Um, does that answer? Yeah. yeah, it does. I could go that. <gasps> oh my gosh, I resonate so much. That's been alive for me as well, especially around the truth part. Like I feel it throughout my whole body, like this icky just contraction, you know, and this sense of like, wow, I'm not being in integrity with myself, let alone with another person. And if there's anything I've learned in this life, your integrity with yourself and your inner peace aside from any external relationships is everything you know can you trust yourself can you be real with yourself can you be honest with yourself and it's not always easy especially if we've gone an entire lifetime in delusion and limitation and false beliefs and false identities Mm -hmm. could you Explain more about what the yamas are and maybe some more examples of those limbs. Yeah, so we have the yamas, which are almost how you show up in this world, and the niyamas, which are more inward practices, Mm -hmm. we'll say. Um, So another one of the yamas, asteya, which is non-theft, And this is literally (laughs) non-theft. Don't steal. Don't steal physical items, but also don't steal someone's personal, you know, thoughts or don't try and be someone else Mm. almost in a way. Don't steal someone's work on Instagram and claim it as your own. Don't. It's, it's more than just the term and in the English language we struggle because we hear don't steal and we automatically think, well, don't steal someone's purse. Yes, this is huge. But also don't steal something that's not yours to claim, even if that's intellectual property. And this one was a big one because when I was a teenager, I stole a lot. 
even in college, I stole a lot. I would steal bags of free people at Macy's. I mean, thousands of, t- sorry, thousands. Sorry, free people. <laughs> sorry, free people. I buy a lot of your stuff now, so I'm Maybe paying you back. <laughs> and I was in, I was practicing yoga even when I, even when I was stealing, but I didn't understand the yamas or the niyamas. I just knew I loved yoga. I knew I loved the way it made me feel. I didn't know there was any sort of moral compass to follow. And so when I started to learn about the yamas and the niyamas in my first training, as many yoga teachers, yoga practitioners that do their first training, if you ask what is the biggest takeaway is like, holy shit, there's actually like rules to follow. Mm. Follow them or not, but if you don't, chances of freedom and enlightenment are pretty slim because if you're going around stealing shit, you're probably not you're probably not the best person and you got a little work to do and that's okay. No worries. It took me some time, but that was a huge wake up call for me. Like Kirby, you can't go into a store and steal from such a human being who's, you know, Macy's okay. Macy's maybe a little different big corporation, but even so I do feel that, that, that sense of like morality of just don't steal don't steal. Don't. And I, that was something that just didn't even, of course you hear it. You hear, don't steal. It's bad. It's bad. But it's like, who you going to catch me? Right. You're going to catch me. But it's like, no, you're going to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. How are you going to feel if you steal? You are the only person you have to answer to at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But how are you sleeping at night? <laughs> what kind of people are in your life? What kind of people are you attracting? What is your environment like? And all of that is just a mirror to the work that you're doing, to the way you're showing up, to the kindness that you are showing outwardly, to the truth that you're sharing, to the non-harm that you're placing. And that gets very loud and in your face if you're not following the quote unquote, I don't like to call them rules, but to me, they are almost rules. Yeah. There's some others like cleanliness, energetic, Mm. like... I don't want to say sexual boundary, but it is, but it's more so just to me, it's energetic boundaries, um, boundarying. Yeah. Your energy, your energetic being mm-hmm. not giving yourself away in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was a theft too. <laughs> it was like this phase in college. It was for a few months and I was in a sorority Surprise. Oh my God. Whole story. But it was, um, it was mandatory to do, to do a lot of things, but we had to, um, do all of these crafts, like, (laughs) like for our bigs and our littles and making like t-shirts and all of these crazy crafts. Anyways, it was interesting because my whole life, like the Um, messaging that I got around money was like, save your money, save your money, do not spend your money, Um, like hold on to it for dear life. So even in college, by that time, I had saved up a ton of money. But to me, I still felt so much scarcity that it felt like to pay for something was like to lose a part of myself and like, oh God, I'm never going to get it back. So I remember I would like go to Walmart and just like scoop up <laughs> as much crafting supplies as I could. And I actually got caught one time. Me too. Yeah. Ah! 
I remember, oh my, I'll never forget. Like I was walking outside very, like extra casually being so mindful of every step. Just like, da, 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 da. I didn't do anything. I'm just this little college kid. Um, And then I hear, hey. And I was like, no. And I didn't turn around. And then he said, hey, again. And I turned around and he was like, do you know what you did? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he was like, do you know why I'm stopping you? And there was this part of me that was like, Nadine, I can't lie. They know. So I was like, I took something. And he was like, yeah, come with me. And I like went into this back room and I was crying and saying, sorry, I didn't mean it. I'll give it back. All these things. And then they ended up like mailing a fine like to my parents' house. And I was like, please send it to my college dorm room, not to my parents. Um, But they sent it to my parents. And I remember just sitting in my car outside of my dorm, like crying hysterically on the phone with my mom. And she was actually so cool. Love you, mom. She was so understanding. (laughs) And she could hear like how much pain and regret I was in. Long story short, you feel it. You feel it in your body when you're not being true to yourself and when you're taking something that's not yours, even if it's from Walmart or a big corporation, like that cringe, that contraction, that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't do that. You can feel it in your body. And another important thing is forgiveness and compassion because we've all done some fucked up things (laughs) to ourselves and to other people. That's a question I actually get a lot, especially around sexuality And something I like to say, especially around your body, is I believe the body is the physical manifestation of love and forgiveness itself. Like your body only knows how to heal and only knows how to speak truth. No matter the symptoms or the feelings or whatever is coming up, that's a way of your body and your subconscious communicating with you. So whoever out there needs to hear this message... Forgive yourself and your body already forgives you. You know, it's (laughs) it's so funny because I got caught at Walmart as well in college. Oh my God. I was visiting my best friend who I was saying at the start, whose family, who she was my best friend. I mean, I spent every waking minute with her in high school and middle school. And we, we grew up together and in college, she went to ASU. I went to visit her and we went to Walmart. And I stole mascara and her mom was there. So this was like, they were very Christian. I was raised going to church with them. I mean, I begged them to take me to church, basically. They were honestly my gateway to God. And then I get, right, I'm walking out, same thing. Hey, you know what you did? I was mortified because to me, her mom was like this angel such a godly woman and I had just stolen and I was so ashamed and embarrassed because her mom loved me like a daughter and she was I could tell very very disappointed in me Mm -hmm. but you know as it is so we all go into the back room yeah like just like you did and I (laughs) I felt I literally felt like she was God like kind of, you know, looking at me like moral compass. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And because I related so much of her to religion and now spirituality, I'm not, and I don't want you to hear this and think that I'm, you know, only saying God in the Christian sense. I'm definitely not. Um, But if that's you, 
allow yourself to believe in any God that you want and do. But it's just so funny because that was kind of my entryway. And then full circling was she was in the room with me. And it was this huge wake up call for me of like, Kirby, you're 21. You, what are you doing? Stealing mm-hmm. deeply in yoga. And that, you know, it just kind of was a very much a push and same called my dad. He was upset, but was like, it's okay. You know, you're stupid. What are you doing? Don't do that again. But we make mistakes and we do, we make mistakes and we forgive ourselves and we choose to either grow or stay in that place. And I'm grateful for the discernment to grow to reflect on that and choose, no, that's not my path. <laughs> it's not who I am. This is my path now. I am a I'm a thief. I'm a thief. <laughs> that's all. That's yeah. all. I love how I never know where these conversations are going to take us. But yeah, stealing from Walmart. <laughs> um, what's coming up for me as we're diving into this is just the um, conversation around the witness. Like the external witness and also the inner witness and the witnesses that we internalize from external sources. And specifically what it makes me think about is animism. And if people aren't familiar with that, it's not that I'm an expert on every single ancient tradition and lineage to ever exist, but to my understanding, most ancient lineages and indigenous cultures are founded upon animist beliefs, which is the belief that everything in the natural world is alive, is animate. It has a soul, a spirit, an essence. And so incorporating this, to me, it's not even a belief. It's just truth. It's just like at this point, I've experienced it firsthand enough times that I know it to be true. But it adds a layer of accountability Because now, like, literally everything you do, there's a witness. Not in the sense of, oh, now I need to censor myself or I can't be fully expressed. But for me, it's an invitation into so many things, including deeper, more fully expressed, authentic expression and being mindful of who I am, even when I'm out alone in the jungle or at the beach or in the forest. In the colonized world, we've been indoctrinated into this having this air of, oh, this is mine. What can I take? Um, How can I climb the corporate ladder? How can I step on other people to get to the top without this mindfulness of being a part of the greater fabric of life, being a part of the collective, being a part of everything in existence to the point where like now if I'm in nature, before I step into the woods, not every time, but most times I introduce myself and I like ask permission to enter. I ask permission to take a flower or a leaf and it's just invited a deeper sense of mindfulness and respect and humility. Yeah. So the next question I want to ask you is what tangible or specific practices do you love to come back to in order to reconnect you to that sense of connectedness, truth, all of these beautiful things that we're talking about? What could someone start to dive into? Wow. (laughs) It's funny because I didn't realize how much my brain does truly operate in the terms of 
yogic philosophy and immediately I'm like, oh, the niyamas. So you're talking about the yamas, we go into the niyamas because they are just, this is just that strategic. It is literally just that laid out for us that when I feel off of the path, so to say, or I feel disconnected from myself, from my teachings, I feel overwhelmed, I feel anxious, I feel stressed. Um, the niyamas, we have saucha, which is cleanliness, santosha, which is contentment. Those will put aside for the moment. But then we start to really get into the nitty gritty, which I spoke on a little bit, but are the tapas, which are really your dedication or like your, your regimen. It's more so a feeling of like burning away. You're willing to sit by the fire. I mean, the, the term even came, the Sanskrit term even came, it's in relation to um, almost like a, a sage sitting around a fire. They sat there out in the desert seeking that wisdom, seeking that connection seeking the insight, seeking God, seeking com connection. And they just were willing to sit by the fire in the middle of the desert, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting day and day and day. And, you know, uh, think about how we'd give up and I'd give up in an hour, right? But no, they stayed. And it's that type of true just will and dedication. And because I know that that is a part of, of this path, when I feel myself slipping, I can pretty quickly remind myself Kirby tapas are so important. They're probably the most important part if you want to show up as an embodied teacher, which I'm not going to claim to be a teacher and a mentor if I'm not also living in a way that I really recommend you to live too. And because I know that, you know, it's so many then different things because your dedication and your regimen practices will look different. Of course, um, a big one for me is a, an asana practice. Yes, I do deeply love um, asana. I don't have as much time to practice as much as I would like because I do, quote unquote, live yoga and practice yoga in so many other ways. I do notice myself not practicing every single day, but especially if I feel um, very overwhelmed or just off, I will always come back to asana practice, but I don't feel any longer that I have to do it every day in order to be a yogi. I do not feel that at all anymore mm -hmm. within me, which is such a freeing feeling because I feel less identified with how I look teaching yoga and how I must have this body and look this way and I have mm -hmm. to be able to do this posture and this shape because to me it's such a small part of this path. And that feels really, really good. But it also does play a big role for me in terms of like dedication and showing up and how I stay um, truest to this path. Um, then we have Swadhyaya. So we have Tapas, Swadhyaya, which is self-study, self-reflection, which are, mm -hmm. I would say Tapas and Swadhyaya, I, I think I, I speak about them quite often in my classes. I speak about them quite often on my Instagram and my newsletters, like I'm, I'm, these are huge just values of mine. And how are we meant to grow and evolve if we're not self-reflecting on our choices, our behaviors? Why am I feeling so sluggish? Why am I feeling so out of sorts? Why am I feeling so disconnected to my life and my practice? We just have to start questioning ourselves, have to go inside and actually dive in why, 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 why? Go back to that inner child place that's questioning everything. 
why am I not practicing asana as much as I'd like to? Oh, because you're distracting yourself scrolling on freaking Instagram. Get off your freaking phone. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, wiser, higher self. I'm listening and I'm going to go practice asana. Thank you. You know, it's, it, we, we know, we know what to do. Our higher self knows and it will tell you and it will guide you. But if you're not listening, you're not going to hear it. So that self-reflection, big, of course, I will always hear from my wiser self. You're not as dedicated, as regimented as you should be, which is actually my word intention for this year was devotion and dedication because I felt like I wasn't quite giving it my fullest self. And I have felt insane shifts this year from um, being more noticing of when I am not devoting myself to this path in all of its forms. Of course, along with that is not only self-study, but is the study of texts, the study of yogic texts. Uh, Main one is the yoga sutras. So these are like the little snippets or I don't want to call them quotes, but they're Um, Just little bits of wisdom that really are the outline of this lifestyle, this path, Um, can be harder to digest. So you really only read like one or two a day and you sit with it and you be with it or you go into the yamas and the niyamas. You go, you just, you study the texts, Mm -hmm. go into the texts, (laughs) study, just study, listen to podcasts, find your teachers, study from, study with them, study Patanjali, study the Vedas, study. That's will keep you dedicated and, and bring, allow you, like bring you back, bring you back. Um, and the last Ishvara Pranidhana, which is fully surrendering to God. So mm. beyond all of the control, beyond all of the, I want it to be this way. Why am I more dedicated? Why am I more devoted? <sighs> Ultimately surrendering to what is, Surrendering to the moment, surrendering to the need to change anything and trusting that maybe you're taking a break for a reason. Mm -hmm. There has got to be a small part of you and giving yourself that grace always. It's a dance. And but ultimately that fully surrendering to the will of the divine that no choice I'm making is right or wrong. It's just a choice. Mm -hmm. And I am divinely guided either which way. But I know in myself now what makes me feel best, which is again, regimen, dedication, studying, all of these like play huge roles in how I show up specifically as a teacher. Um, But at the end of it, sometimes I truly just throw my hands up in there and I'm like, fuck it, God, you got me. I'm good. I just, I trust you. And sometimes I just need to take a little break and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, to me, there's such a difference between shaming and judging ourselves, being harsh with ourselves and just being honest and real of, hmm, maybe it would be better for me to not be scrolling on TikTok and Instagram and to actually devote myself to what I say I'm devoted to. <laughs> and there's a way to do that without like imprisoning yourself and, oh God, I'm a horrible person. I'm not devoted enough. And I resonate um, resonate with what you said because I've had those moments with me as well of like, oh, God, I'm a sex educator and a somatic sex coach, but I'm not doing pleasure practices every single day. Oh, my God. And now it's at a place where 
I'm not in devotion to necessarily being a sex coach. I'm in devotion to truth. And what that means sometimes or all the time is that you're constantly cycling through different seasons where during some seasons it'll be, it'll feel more aligned and true to be doing your practice, whatever that practice is, whether it's yoga or tantra or pleasure practices all the time. And sometimes there's other things that are going to feel true and that are going to call to you and you get to embody those teachings throughout your life in so many different ways. How are you living it and breathing it and walking it and talking it and not just on the mat or on the dildo? (laughs) Whatever your tool of choice is. (laughs) Um, If someone is, if someone feels really called to do a yoga teacher training or to explore this world more deeply, what wisdom do you wish someone would have whispered in your ear back Mm. in the day starting out? Well, they actually did whisper it in my ear, and I'm so grateful that they did. When I quit my job seeking yoga, I knew I was going to do a teacher training. I quit my job, went on a one-way ticket to Asia, knew I would do my training. Maybe that was India. Maybe that was Asia. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I'm just open to wherever the flow may take me. And I booked it to the Philippines, and... The first person I meet was a guy who had just finished his yoga teacher training in India. And I, that was literally the start of my life, feels like. From that moment, it's just been such a wild string of just synchronicities, right? But he truly held my hand and guided me through the process because I had no idea how to find a training at all. I mean, just lost, there's thousands to choose from. And he gave me really amazing advice. He's like, well, first you're gonna need to pick a place. So start there. And so I, you know, I did. I was like, okay, I think Thailand feels right for me. You know, it was a little cheaper, closer, heard great things. I wasn't quite ready to hop over to India yet. I'm going to stay here. So I narrowed it down to Thailand. Then there's a few different websites you can use. Um, I think I used book yoga teacher trainings or book yoga retreat.com. It kind of does an overarching search. And, and then I just use, you know, different search engines starting to look at what schools price range. And he's like, narrow it down to a few that really feel and you know, call to you. And write out the pros and the cons, of course, you know, really weigh it out. And then the most important piece, which I would have never even thought of, but duh, look at the teachers, deep dive into the teachers, who's holding the space for you for a month to either open you up to an entirely new path, an entire new way of living, or completely shut you off because their teachings don't resonate with you. And that's okay if they don't, right? Not every teacher is for everybody. And so I had found a school that I was pretty sure I wanted to choose and go to, although they had very little reviews. It was kind of a risky move. But I looked up the teachers and it was a pretty diverse teaching staff Um, had looked up a few on YouTube, did a a class and just felt the energy of the teacher. 
And when you're newer into yoga, it's kind of harder to tell looking back. Like I didn't know the wisdom. I didn't know the teachings. I knew nothing, but I either like liked their vibe or I didn't. I liked the person or I didn't. And chose the school that I did. It was a new, I think this was the only the second training they had done was mine. And it, it was incredible. It was, I was, could not be happier with my decision. Um, so I would really recommend, yeah, narrowing your place, getting a few schools, really checking out the teacher. And more than that, if you already have a teacher that you love, support them by learning from them. Choose them as your teacher. Devote yourself, your practice to this person that is opening you up to a new way of thinking, a new way of living. Learn from them. They are here and they want you to, to, to learn from them. So if they offer a training, if they are doing teacher trainings, that's a pretty clear, like I would strongly urge you to, to choose them um, or ask them, hey, are you doing any teacher training soon? But really the very first sutra of yoga is now the teachings of yoga have begun. And we really only allow ourselves to open up to the teachings of yoga when the teacher is opening us up to the teachings. Mm. The yoga will not begin if we are not with a teacher that is sharing the teachings in a way that resonates for us. The yoga will not begin. So wow. it's a very powerful point on your journey to really discern and really take your time and research. It's a, it's a powerful moment and potentially really life-changing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Ooh, I had to sit with that for a moment. That's so powerful. Um, I feel like in our culture, we view a lot of things and even people in relationships as disposable and just like, oh, got what I need, bye, on to the next. But there's so much power in long-term devotional teacher-student relationships. Oh, my God. And that's something that has been present in humanity for forever um, and we've kind of lost that in a lot of ways so I'm glad you touched upon that and to be mindful of your time if you're open to it I always love to ask some rapid fire questions okay <laughs> are you ready <laughs> it usually turns into not being rapid fire but we'll see what happens so okay first question if you had access to a billboard that millions of people would see, what would you put on it? Be of service. Ooh. Wow, no hesitation. I saw it. Oh. <laughs> I literally, not literally, but in my mind, I just, Be I saw it. Ooh, I love that. And what are you really excited about in your life right now? Mm. I am excited about booking a advanced yoga teacher training so I can begin to teach teachers. Mm -hmm. I feel right at the cusp of being ready for that and I feel the demand. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but the desire that I have to do that. Um, and there's just, a f I just need to learn a bit more. I have a I have, I have a lot of knowledge, but I don't feel quite ready to guide teacher trainings just yet. So that's exciting. That's going to happen early next year. And just beyond that, 
offering more of yoga, offering more than just classes, offering more than just retreats. I do feel the need to offer workshops and smaller trainings and just more intimate mentorship style working with with students who love yoga like I do. Mm -hmm. It's it fuels me. It gives me life. And finally, I feel unafraid of doing that, which is amazing because I haven't felt ready. <laughs> but I do feel like I was sharing at the start of this. I feel within the last like six months, year um, that I'm I mean, I'm in, I'm in my teacher role and I'm I'm so honored to share and why, how dare I hold this mm. wisdom back? I must share it. One hour in the day is not enough. I mean, students that come to my class, I almost feel like I need to like shut myself up because I'm like, Kirby, this is not a teacher training. This is a yoga class. You cannot spew yogic philosophy left, right, <laughs> center, like tone it down, sister. But I love it and it pours out of me. So being able to direct that into a more a facilitated container for humans that are wanting to learn for a longer period of time is where I'm going and where I'm at and heading. And it feels, feels good. Wow. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to see how that continues to mm -hmm. unravel. And what is your favorite act of self-love? Mm -hmm. My favorite act of self-love is booking myself a flight without hesitation and allowing mm. myself the gift of freedom, mm. which I have worked very hard in my life to obtain, which has taken a lot of, what's the opposite of self-love? <laughs> a lot of hardship to, to get to this place. And so to me, like the ultimate, like love, love bomb in my, for my own being and like self-love. I love you, Kirby. I'm so proud of you. You're incredible. You're amazing. How hard you've worked is booking that flight going or even booking, even a massage is enough that takes me to another world. Mm -hmm. But ideally exploring, allowing mm -hmm. myself to explore and, and, love myself and my time and energy enough to know I don't need anyone else to take me on those trips. I don't need anyone else to hold my hand through it. Like I can do it with me and for me and it's self-love trips and weekends. And you just had one, you know, they're, yeah, even a staycation. It's, it's, it's profound. Mm -hmm recalibration. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. We can have this um, narrative in our heads of, oh, I can't do this alone, or I have to have a boyfriend or a partner to do this or have to do this with friends. But can we give ourselves permission to follow our joy and follow our play and whatever lights us up? Mm -hmm. Final question. What, <laughs> what has been the nectar of your soul recently? Like what's been nourishing you deeply on a soul level? I know you just kind of oh, touched girl. upon that, you but. You already know the answer to that. <laughs> Yin yoga has been my soul nectar. End of story period. If you've never done yin <laughs> yoga, find your teacher again like it's teachers are just everything mm -hmm. when you find your teacher 
hold them close. It's like any other relationship. Think about how hard it is to find a person that you connect with romantically is very much a challenge, but even in the field of learning and, and education and we really need to value our teachers <laughs> more than we do. Um, so find your teacher, see if they offer yin, go and experience yin. But for me, it's, it's, changed, it's changed the game for me. It's given me a space to um, be with myself, nourish my needs, my desire for stillness, without needing to force myself to meditate because sometimes it does feel quite forceful for me. But I do notice and recognize when my soul is like, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, I need you. Mm -hmm. And human Kirby is ignoring me. <laughs> Can you like just get still and quiet for a moment? So Yin, yeah, Yin is, Yin has been that um, very much so, yeah. Mm. And it goes against so much of our conditioning of constantly pushing and forcing and hustling. It's like, wait, I can relax. I can be, I can feel, I can rest. Mm -hmm. And if people are hearing this and they're like, holy shit, this woman is fucking amazing. I want more of her in my life. I want her teachings and her yumminess. How can they work with you? How can they find you? What do you got going on? It's a pretty easy, unanimous way to find me Kirby Yoga on pretty much all fronts Kirby Yoga on Instagram Kirby Yoga on YouTube Kirby Yoga on website on email um, stay connected with me and anything you want to ask slide into my DMs I'm so happy to I am thrilled to talk about yoga to anyone <laughs> that cares so let me know and you can find me also in Costa Rica I do retreats so if you are wanting to experience yoga in a container where you truly are out of time and space in connection to the most beautiful nature you've ever witnessed mm. um, blending that with yoga is it's it's a profound experience so would love to have you amazing i'll have all the links in the show notes for you to check her out and i would love to just take a moment to celebrate you and honor all that you are like this woman as you've heard is so wise and so embodied so heart-centered and also just an amazing fucking friend <laughs> like so loving and generous and you make the effort like to reach out and to really make people feel included and wanted and needed and loved like i feel that extra touch that extra effort that you put in that can be rare sometimes to find in a friendship so Thank you for who you are as a human, as a friend, as a soul, as a teacher. And wow, like I've taken some classes in person, lucky enough with Kirby. And oh my God, there's just so much heart and so much deliciousness and permission to keep checking in with yourself and to relate to the class as guidance and an invitation, but to keep checking in with how does this resonate with me? How does this land for me? Does my body want this? Is my body ready for this? Is this too much? Is this not enough? So 
Yeah, I feel so much mindfulness and care from you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, and Nadine, same to you, honestly. (laughs) This woman is the space holder of all space holders. Mm. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. You're so welcome. And is there anything else at all that you want to add or say, or do you feel complete? Any final words? I would again, just love to encourage you. If you've been curious about yoga, maybe you've tried a class in the past and you were turned off because the space didn't feel, we're going to use the word safe in this moment, but It didn't feel inclusive. It didn't feel that it honored where you were. That is not all of yoga. That is not every teacher. That is, I really want to encourage you to find a space and a teacher that sees you and supports you on your journey and give it another go. If you're curious, it just may take a little bit of time, but do your best not to get discouraged because this the benefits of this path and this lifestyle um, outweigh, I hope for you, the few bits of pain um, or torment <laughs> that you may feel in a class. Because I've been there. I've been there with teachers that, and still to this day, where I feel so unsafe. I feel so unseen. I feel so unheld. I feel, I feel out of place. I feel judged, um, especially if you're listening to this in the United States. And um, it's a very toxic, can be a very toxic culture that does not honor yoga's roots. So just keep going, looking and find your teacher. And um, I hope that that opens you up to the beauty of this path. You heard the woman. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you again, Kirby. Hi again, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and that it helped to expand your consciousness and perspective in some way. If you liked what you heard or just want to show some love, it would mean the absolute world if you ranked and reviewed the show, sent it to your friends or family, and hit the subscribe button. This allows more people to discover Soul Nectar, keeps the show up and running, and lets me know you beautiful people are out there listening. And if you do leave a review, make sure to take a screenshot and send it to Nadine at bloomwithnadine.com. And I will personally send a very special gift over your way. Share this episode on Instagram or your other social media handles with your biggest aha moments and takeaways. I'd love to shout you out and hear what resonated with you. Okay, take care and I'll see you in the next episode, my loves. Bye.